I'm Marianne Kolbesak-Mickey, Managing Editor of Healthcare InfoSecurity. I'm speaking to Deborah Peel, who is a psychoanalyst and founder of Patient Privacy Rights, a patient privacy advocacy. Deborah will be speaking to us about patient privacy concerns and the recently released HIPAA omnibus final rule that takes effect on March 26th. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Marianne. How are you? Good. Tell us briefly about your organization and your role. I would love to. Well, Marianne, I represent 10.3 million people in the United States as the leader of the Bipartisan Coalition for Patient Privacy. We are the largest organization trying to restore people's control over their electronic health records, I think, in the world. We also have, there are 12,000 members of patient privacy rights. You can sign up online. And our whole mission is to make sure that each of you gets to decide who can see your most sensitive personal information, from prescription records to diagnoses to DNA. And you decide if they should have this information to treat you or for research. That's our whole mission, to work for you. Deborah, tell us what you like about the omnibus rule. Sure. Um, well, there are some good things in it. Uh, my condolences to those of you who, who had to read all 563 pages. So the thing that we like the absolute best was the rule clearly affirms that states can pass laws that are tougher than HIPAA. And that's really, really good news, Marianne, because HIPAA is still so full of flaws and defects that we are very concerned that that what is being built and what is being funded will not be trusted by the public, and we can talk about that. There are some other good things that happened. Uh, Business associates are held to the same standards as covered entities, and so are their subcontractors. And you're a subcontractor if you're acting like a subcontractor, whether or not you have a contract. We like that, and that's great. The problem is... The problem is that so much of our health information is not handled by these people. It's handled even by further and further subcontractors of subcontractors. So, uh, But this is very good news that, uh, that that was clarified. The other thing that, that we like a lot, of course, is that people finally, finally, are going to supposedly be able to download their data. And we like very much that HHS OCR said that they can get the data in one or more designated record sets. In fact, they didn't decide, oh, okay, you can only have a CCR or something. This is really important. Is if you think about it in the paper world, when you went to get a copy of your record, okay, maybe you paid you know, some, some low amount per page, but you got the whole thing. You did not get a designated record set or a, or a summary or a CCR. Uh, and so you get to choose, you get to choose the format and you get to have, I believe it means, all of your information. And that's, that's, uh, that's common sense. That's what it was in the paper world. There were, well, okay, as a psychiatrist, I know this, and some of you may, there were some rare exceptions, such as in many states, rather than releasing entire psychiatric records, psychiatrists could, could provide a summary instead. So there were, there were some great things about it, but there were, there were a lot of weak and worrisome things that... Uh, you know, that are unfortunate. What, what are some of the things that you don't like about HIPAA Omnibus? 
The big thing is many of the protections that our coalition uh, worked to get into the bill were, were effectively cut off at the knees uh, in the regs. So one of them is that if you pay for cash for something, you should be able to keep the information private. And apparently, and in, in the rule is confusing, apparently it's not incumbent on whoever you pay to not send the information, to continue to not send it, or for, for them to not flag it in some way for all other downstream users. Somehow you, the patient, are supposed to go to anyone else who might get it and figure out how to control it yourself. This is ridiculous. The, the point of the technology is so that you shouldn't have to hand-do everything. And so, so that was very disappointing. If you pay out of pocket, it's not clear at all, first of all, that the systems will be willing to design technology to honor that. And so I don't know who did this at OCR, but they say in there that the way to keep a prescription private, this is so laughable, is you ask your doctor to write it on a piece of paper and take it to the pharmacy. Please, do you actually think that if you do that, they're not going to enter that into the system? You know, their software system, McKesson's or whoever it is, that data mines your prescription records every night. I mean, I can't believe that's actually what they advise the public to do because pharmacies are not going to keep a paper system and an electronic system. It's just not going to happen. So the stuff about not being able to keep something that you pay for private was not fixed in this rule, and that that's... You know, that's a serious problem. And actually, the problems about genetic information are much the same. The rules are actually unenforceable and confusing to people. There's, there's an attempt to distinguish between manifested disease and not manifested diseases, and it's really, it's, it's really ridiculous. The point is, genetic information is in health records. It's supposed to be only used in cases of underwriting for, I think it's long-term care. But the problem is, when genetic information is in your health record, and and you are an insured, it's in your health record. You have no way of knowing what they use it for or why. And so the protections are are really not there for genetic information, and that's a big disappointment. Our other huge disappointment is uh, the use of People's electronic records for research, of course, continues to be supported by the administration and by the Office of Civil Rights. In fact, access to PHI without meaningful informed consent is greatly expanded. This is a total misreading of the public's wishes and wills. The American public does not support data use unless they are asked If they are asked in a meaningful way, Americans are incredibly altruistic and they want the benefits of research. They do not want hidden and secret research. And this is something I think legitimate researchers are going to end up getting punished because they seem unaware that the research loophole enables tremendous commercialization of data. And as we said... Sales are not banned for uh, selling PHI for data. So these are some of the worst problems. And then there's a, I just have to mention, uh, you know, a few, other, a few other kinky things. One of them is 50 years after you're dead, Marianne, your records are open. You don't have a choice. Who did that? What were they thinking? Okay, there's a lobby of historians that want to know. This is nuts. You have descendants, and particularly, as we all know, 
you know, as our genetic information gets widely collected and used, which it is in private biobanks and the rest, releasing the health records of, you know, your grandmother or whatever is is going to have implications for all of her descendants. And so it's really hard to understand what was going through the heads of the people that wrote this stuff. There, The lack of understanding, clear understanding of what the public wants is is really a shame. It's really a shame. And, and so there's one other thing that's unfortunate. A business associate, of course, has to keep a list of all of their subcontractors, right? Business associate. But the covered entity and the patient will never know who all of these downstream users of their data are. This is also a huge mistake. Even though the covered entities hire the business associates, the business associates don't have to report to them who the subcontractors are. I mean, things start to get opaque very, very quickly. And it's the subcontractors and the subcontractors of subcontractors and on down that are part of where the hidden data flows are. And that's why, so I'm going to put in a little tiny plug, that's why we're so excited about our project, Patient Privacy Rights Project with Harvard, the Data Privacy Lab, and Professor Latanya Sweeney to build out a health data map. So, gosh, wouldn't it be interesting if we could argue about all these things and make policy based on knowing where our data actually goes? Tell us a little bit about that health data map. What is that? Well, the idea is we truly do not know who has our health data or what they're doing with it. We, we really don't know. So after President Bush took office, he... His administration, HHS and his administration, reopened the privacy rule and they eliminated the requirement that you give consent before your data is used for treatment, payment, or healthcare operations. So that means that everything from your solo doctor to Hospital Corporation of America to the pharmacy, everyone else, it's a covered entity, they decide, not you, they decide when your data will be disclosed or sold. You have no say in it. You can't refuse. And worse than that, there's no chain of custody. We have no idea where our data goes. So Latanya's got all these hot Harvard students, you know, that are budding scientists and analysts and researchers, and they're going to start to track down where data, data flows. So, for example, in any hospital, you might have 150 to 850 different software systems moving pieces of data. I bet if you ask your doctor or the president of the hospital board how many of those different vendors and contractors reuse, own, or sell your data, they would have no clue. So we don't even know in a common place where you go for health care, we don't even know what they do with the data, where it flows. So we need this kind of information so we can build systems that are worthy of our trust. What's the status of that project? Is it just kicking off? Is it finishing up? They're going to be doing the first phase of it and introducing the first phase on June 5th at the Third International Summit on Health Privacy in Washington, D.C. And uh, this will be video live stream for those that can't come. We hope you'll come. (laughs) So they're going to be talking about it, and I think they're going to be looking at piece of health data, and I think they're going to look at where health data goes from hospitals. They are picking a piece of it. They're going to start it. They're going to kick off the project. And hopefully we'll get more people from the public that will contribute information that they know about about hidden data flows. By the way, we're not just accepting somebody's word that X sends data to Y or 
or B sells data to C, there's going to have to be actual proof of the transfer of the information. So it's going to be fact-based. Now, you've also advocated for the Office for Civil Rights to issue a guidance about protecting health data on cloud computing environments. Yes. What are your concerns? What would you like to see OCR do? And did you ever hear back from them? Yes, actually, we had a great meeting um, a week or two ago in Washington with Leon Rodriguez, and we begged him, and I, I think I hope that they will listen to us to start with some simple, basic guidelines because health data is being put into clouds that to cloud providers that have not even signed a business associate agreement. And so there's, there's plenty of, this is a burgeoning business, uh, clouds, and, you know, no one knows what that means. It's, it's actually puzzling that no one knows what that means. I mean, what are clouds anyway? They're a bunch of servers, and they're somewhere. And so it ought to be possible for us to know what kind of security they have, what are the standards of security. So we asked them about things like that. But the first thing is, if you're in the business of using health data, you must have a business associate agreement. If you're a cloud, the bottom line, and because many are below the bottom line, should be, for God's sakes, have business associate agreement. We, of course, think that we need a lot more than that, patient privacy rights, because, of course, we think that security has to be at least state-of-the-art and to standards as best we know it. But, you know, we got to start with a business associate agreement. So we're hopeful that, that they'll... They know that there's confusion out there, by the way. They, they really do. And he is really trying hard to begin to enforce the rules. Great. It's about time. What is this, 10 years or so with no enforcement? So I think he's very sensitive to the need to protect data. And, and he knows that if they put out some some clear statements. It'll be a big help. Thanks, Deborah. I've been speaking to Dr. Deborah Peel. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.